Hey guys, and welcome to the Stan Kirsch Studios podcast, where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, we welcome Stephanie Chikowski. Her inspiring story is unlike anything we have ever brought you. We talk about how through her three cancer diagnosis, she embraced her power, discovered exactly who she is, and how it helped her approach her acting career in a whole new empowered way. She is a fighter, a survivor, and her attitude is so contagious. We know this talk is gonna leave you full of inspiration and ready to take on the world. So with that, I give you Stephanie Chikowski. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Um, where are you right now, Stephanie? Are you in LA? Are you in Palm Springs? Uh, I'm in uh, LA. I'm in, oh. I'm in our, my husband is a screen, is a writer director. So I'm in the office that is also the audition room. There's also the get like all that, the thing that is all the things I'm just. It's yeah. sort of the catch all. It's like a junk drawer, but for, but a room. Exactly. <laughs> That's all where I am things. as well. That's where I am as well. One corner has um, wallpaper, so it looks cute. Um, and that's, that's it. Um, uh, all right. So welcome everyone to this uh, Q&A with Stephanie Chikowski. Um, I was so uh, grateful to meet Stephanie when she took boot camp, I believe in 2019 at SKS. Yeah. And she's been um, a student of Stan's long before that. Um, uh, Stephanie was raised in Wisconsin um, where I was as well. She went to NYU, trained at Playwrights Horizon, Steppenwolf Theater, and then she moved to Los Angeles, began building her TV and film resume, spent a little time in New York as well. Um, she started with bit parts on non-union shows like I didn't know I was pregnant. She recently played real-life WWE Hall of Famer China on Young Rock, recurred uh, in three seasons on Doom Patrol on HBO, uh, MacGruber on Peacock, and is currently on Star Trek Picard. Uh, on this season, I should say, not currently, but on this season of Star Trek Picard <laughs> as Lieutenant Tavine. Um, uh, no spoilers. Uh, off screen, <laughs> Stephanie's battled the three types of unrelated cancer, enduring a thyroid removal, six chemo sessions, a double mastectomy, 25 sessions of radiation, and she calls it her cancer trifecta. She and her husband documented her health journey on their humorous and honest podcast chemo skinny and they're turning that into a movie stephanie a complete honor to have you here <laughs> um there's uh how does it feel hearing all of those um bookings and accolades and yeah it's such a i mean it's such a strange thing the, the thing that always hits me consistently is the last part the cancer part i was like all that happened to me dude um, but it is, I have been fortunate enough specifically to have a partner who's like, dude, you need to remember when I met you, your first TV job was, I didn't know I was pregnant. I was a paramedic. Like it's part of the reason I keep it as part of my bio Ooh. because I feel like so often we get caught up in what we should be doing next that we don't take the time and give ourselves the grace to see where we've come. And that last, you know, run of stuff that you just mentioned, those jobs, was a really good run over the span of just a couple of years, mm -hmm. which is such a unique thing for me as an actor. And yeah. I think for a lot of people, because a lot of times it's like feast or famine. And that was that, like those five jobs were just like back to back to back to back in a way that I never experienced. And I think sometimes I don't realize the fact that it happened a little bit. I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's 
Oh, I completely understand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and I get to, you know, I think I, it allows me to just be like, wow, I did all that. Cause you don't kind of remember it. And also you don't want to feel all narcissistic and be like, I did all that. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. And um, in the moment, it's kind of like, um, great, well, let's get to set and let's make sure this is happening and let's make yeah. sure this and um, and the COVID tests and all of this and travel and all those things. Um, um, so I imagine hearing it back, it's like, wow, impactful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that's why you keep the, um, I didn't know I was pregnant in your bio um, because it did surprise me a little. I think so often actors are like, oh God, get that short film off my credits. Yeah. Um, um, get that thing out of here. I want to remove all my co-stars as soon as possible. Yeah, but it reminds yeah. you where you started. Yeah, and it's, it's it's very much my husband being like, you have to put that on because, and we're in a place where I don't think anyone knows what that what that show was. <laughs> I have friends who know everything about that show because it was the number one show on TLC for a while. Because apparently, a lot of people don't know when they're pregnant, which seems crazy to me. But you know it. But it was it was for me also yes the first time I was on film, but. My mother passed away and that, that episode aired a week after she died. Oh, it was wow. the first time I was on television. So I think I hold on to that a little bit as well because I am someone who, who wants to remember where I'm from. Again, that might be a mid, the Midwest in me, I think, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you got to celebrate the booking with your mom, the booking and the filming of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, that is so special. Um, as much as it, as, as this artist life is about, you know, deepening, um, deepening our connection to the human experience, celebrating those wins with family members and sort of being able to, um, uh, honor the people who got you to where you were, um, is important as well. It is. And it's also, I mean, our families, families even my family now like I'm on slightly bigger things that they've seen me on mm -hmm. but they don't they don't get it it's not what they do they don't understand that one line on a co-star how much work goes into that and to be on network tv you know I have a 96 year old grandmother who's like well I wish you wanted more and I'm like yeah me too but the amount of work <laughs> that goes into just be there to just show up to just yeah have the faith that you can work in this industry, you know, is, is a lot of effort and a lot of belief that I think sometimes we minimize too much and mm -hmm. you got to celebrate the win. You've got to celebrate the wins, no matter how small they might seem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you find yourself still celebrating these wins when, um, uh, with some of these like sort of bigger, longer bookings? I do. Um, and I do, and it's, you know, it's different. It changes how it, the, it's celebrated or what's celebrated, I guess. Because uh -huh. um, I still, I mean, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to have these longer bookings, but I'm still auditioning. You know, right. I'm still, I'm getting into new rooms and I'll audition for something that I might not be right for, but the fact that they call me back. Mm -hmm. These things, because I'm a little bit more seasoned, yeah. as opposed to looking at it as a loss, I'm still celebrating like, oh, they called me back for that, 
You know what I mean? Right. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so I love talking about firsts um, uh, in an actor's life. I remember when I was um, considering moving to LA, I was like, how do people get their SAG card? How do you get an agent? How do you get that first <laughs> booking? So tell us a little bit of like your origin story. Um, uh, your first reps, first TV job. how did you get your damn SAG card? Um, my SAG card came before my first reps. Oh. Um, I, I think through Actors Access, I had graduated from NYU. I was living in New York. I had initially, I wanted to be a musical theater actor. I wanted to be doing theater. And I remember in college, my musical theater teacher being like, you are five foot 10 with a deep voice. He's like, you've got a woman's voice and a girl's body. He was like, you will start working if you want to do musical theater when you're like 40. And I was like, oh. Well, okay then. <laughs> I, I mean, I've always been a late bloomer. I've always been a late bloomer. Um, so taking that into consideration, because this is such a job that is non-linear. Yeah. And I think when you grow up in school, in traditional school, that's you do one thing to do another, to do another, that that's how it happens. And it doesn't. And so you've got to have a bit of faith and you got to kind of let it go and be open to other opportunities. And I think I had auditioned for, it was a very indie film. I don't even remember the name of it. But what I do remember is that my first job was um, being a female redneck in, um, I think it's, I blocked it out because that's <laughs> those things that I don't want to talk about I, is I got my SAG card being a racist like a fully racist woman. And it was based on a true story where like we beat, I was watching these redneck dudes beat someone up. It, it was awful. And I didn't know I got my SAG card until like three months later, it just, I got a letter from SAG in the mail. And I was, you know, it was a film and, you know, you try and get whatever work you get. And I got paid. So I was super excited about it, but I'm just kind of like, oh my God. And I was kind of like, oh my God. I just got my SAG card for being a terrible, terrible character. Oh no. But someone needs to, I mean, someone needs to play them. Um, a million percent, yes. Yeah, but it was, it was funny because it was a surprise. I didn't expect to get it. And then it kind of sat languishing until I moved to LA and started going out on different stuff. And I became a must join when I, Scott David. Uh, when casting director workshops were still around, they were in New York and I came out here and I, I had a friend who was an agent who would kind of hip pocket me, but I didn't have management. And so I did casting director workshops because that was how I was going to get in. Mm -hmm. And I booked my first co-star through Scott David doing a casting director workshop. He called me in. And it was one of those things that I feel like once you get your first co-star, then suddenly someone has trusted you to be on a set. And so people are open to being that first co-star. I feel so often specifically in this industry, it's someone has to be willing to take the chance yeah. to trust you on a set. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else will come along and be like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? And I think in a lot of ways, that's the hardest thing is, is having the, the trust in yourself mm -hmm. because you know you're new at it and you're the new kid and you don't want to show up and protect, 
You don't want to show up and ask questions and feel like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why, shout out, to, you know, to Stan Kerr Studios, which is why training in places that teaches you what to expect on the job is so important because that's not shit I learned at NYU. I didn't learn any of that at NYU, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my first uh, guest star was I had gone in for Rick Milliken, I think three times of the course of three years. I, I read for a series regular, which I was terrible, not right for it all. And I don't remember that audition being very good. Um, <laughs> quite, quite frankly, I don't remember that audition being very good. And then I got called back for a guest star, which was much more, it was tall. Most of my stuff, most of my stuff and my co-star stuff is I'm a five foot 10 strong female with a deep voice. Mm -hmm. I play a lot of cop, like my entree was very much a lot of cops, a lot of firefighters, mm. you know, a lot of civil servants. I'm like, you know, I'm Eastern European. I'm from Wisconsin. I am farm strong. <laughs> it was very much based on that physicality. And so <laughs> when I went in for Rick, I went in for Bones and I was going for a lawyer who was a shot putter or something. I don't, and I got called back. So it was like this very much this step of, I went in, I heard nothing for the series regular. Six months to a year later, I went in again, I got called back. And the last time I went in for him was, I think the last season of Bones, I got called straight to producers. Oh yeah. For a female lesbian lumberjack, again, five foot 10, you know. But it was one of those things where, you know, <laughs> it was one of those things that the proof is in the pudding in the sense of, if people keep calling you back, it's because they like you. And because yeah. only one person gets the job. Mm -hmm. So and that was my first top of show guest star. And then of course I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get all these guest stars. And that's, how, you know, it's, mm -hmm. and then you just go back to being a working actor. Like it's always the beauty about the last couple of years is it's the first time I've had the luxury of not feeling like I always have to be working, looking for another job. Yeah. And that, you know, in it, I was like, remember, it's not always like that. So don't get fearful of it. But you also have to really appreciate the fact that you're on this little ride for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. Um, when you said that, like, it, you so sort of started to understand, like, mm, I don't know if your casting is the right word, but like civil servants, um, yeah. cops, lesbian lumberjacks, uh, people who shot put. Um, yeah. um, uh, was I, I, did you ever take any like branding classes or any like, what is your type or? I did not, but I was aware of it. I mean, the thing being a very direct, a somewhat direct, or at least what I considered a direct person, specifically when I was in theater, I remember auditioning for, I did a, um, I was a lead in this, uh, in this uh, musical that took place uh, in, in the Quad Cities in Iowa. Wow. And I remember auditioning mm -hmm. for it and the director reached out to other director friends of mine, which means much like Jobs, I was like, call my best friend. <laughs> and asking how I was as a person, cause I was gonna have to live there. And <laughs> something, I mean, something that I became palpably aware of pretty early on mm. 
is I felt like I wasn't quite specifically for this industry, the kind of woman they wanted, I, oh. which in theater, it made more sense because it was like, you have ingenue, you have older lady. And I did not fit in there. In, in my theatrical, like stage theatrical career, mm-hmm. I was playing, you know, fairies and sci-fi people. And when no one, when no one thought about it because it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was playing post-op transsexuals, mm-hmm. which I would never do now, of course, but I was in this weird place that I recognized that I was a very strong woman, mm-hmm. but I was not a strong leading lady in the sense of how we saw mm-hmm. leading ladies in this industry. So I think what I was really aware of is trying to find out where I was represented, where I as a tall person who was not a model, because even now, like people are five foot 10, but they're usually ex models. So there's a, there's a look that is there. And I was not seeking out to look like that. Mm -hmm. I think partially because in order to get there, it would be a whole lot, a mess of, you know, body dysmorphia. And I, and I think I just went, you know what? This is what I look like. So if I'm going to be big, if my arms are going to be big, then I'm just going to make them yoked. Mostly because the idea of putting, for whatever reason, even at 17, I had a strong enough sense of self, I think from my mother, that I was like, well, to try and make myself something I'm not in this, this way is going to take up so much energy. And I'm watching other friends do it. And it hurts my heart because they should be able to love themselves as they are, you know, and we're, I think the industry is getting better at it. The thing that I found is when I moved here, yes, cops, yes, this, but as I'm seeing more representation behind the camera, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing myself being able to have more opportunity because it's no longer a case. And I've seen this with friends of mine, you know, specifically black friends of mine, like you can only play like the, there's a black judge or you can only be these things. Mm-hmm. And as we broaden who tells story, we get to start to experience the um, opportunity to play something that you would see yourself in, I guess. Mm-hmm. But getting in, but getting in, I was like, oh, this gets me work, great. Cause I'd also done theater for, you know, I was a bartender then I'd do theater for six, eight weeks. And then I'd spend, you know, another two months trying to make the money that I didn't make back, you know, cause it's always that weird balance yeah. as you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of blown away by that. I almost need like five minutes to journal and then we'll get no, back sorry. to it. Um, um, well, if you don't mind me asking then, um, uh, uh, sort of embracing that you were uh, perhaps not necessarily what Hollywood typically looked for in a leading lady or in a um, actress type role. Um, was it easier when you um, lost your hair? Because also hair is quite tied into 100%. like stereotypical femininity. Um, 100%. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I do not recommend... <laughs> um 
falling into yourself by getting cancer that I, I do not recommend that by any stretch. Okay. Good to know. Thank no, you. Know, this, Writing this that down for later. Um, yes. But you know, I think that for me, I previous to that previous to, did I have bones? I found my first real acting agent. I got my first real acting. I moved out here when I was, and I'm, I mean, you can find my age on the internet. I'm, I will be 50 in November Ooh. and Congrats. I moved out here when I turned 30, um, again, late fucking bloomer. Mm. Um, and I got my first agent. It, it took a while. It took, you know, it, like any new city does. And I've been like, I've been with my current agent for nine years and I adore them. I'm with DDO, but I remember meeting Anthony and he was starting that department in a bigger way. And I remember him being like, here's a deal. You will not have auditions a lot. He was like, when you have auditions, you will be really white for them, mm-hmm. but they won't come all the time. And it was the first time, cause like I said, I had been hip pocketed by a friend who had, you know, in confidence to pull another friend. I don't know that she'll work a lot cause she's too big. And it wasn't that I was too fat. I was too tall. I was too, I was oh. too, a little too much. You took up too much space? Yeah, I took up too much space. Um, and so when I met him, I, w- I understood the fact that he saw me. He saw me in a way that was not limiting, but understood what I brought to the table and that it wasn't what everybody else brought. So he started everything I went out for. I was like, it's, it was centered in that. And then when I lost my hair, it was like, holy fuck. There was, there was a, there was a confluence of, I remember shaving my head because I was going to do it anyway. And interestingly enough, maybe I had been thinking in the back of my head, like I had this sixth sense, like maybe I should cut my hair. Like and hair for me and doing all that stuff has always been like, as it is for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and when I shaved my head, I remember looking in the, in the mirror and being like, oh, there you are. And just feeling this sense of, well, you either like me or you don't, but oh, well, it was, it was, it was so at Zen, it was, I felt so powerful because I didn't feel like I needed to be anything but authentically who I was. Mm. And literally, that's when the audit, like it was, I had a manager, like I, <clears throat> I had dumped my manager previous to this and I was going, you know, and I, I took a headshot because I was bald and I was also in the middle of chemo and I booked a job, the, you know, the, um, call the wild job. I booked the week before I went in for a double mastectomy. Oh, (laughs) and I mean, but there's a part of that Mm. that I find with, you know, with my life is if something major happens, I lost my mom. I booked my first non-union feature film. Like I lost my dad. Like I've lost both my parents. I've I've had a lot of loss, mm-hmm. but the thing that, that, and kids being born, major real life events, which is what we are in the business 
of telling story about. When those things happen, being an actor was important, but I feel like for many years, I was like, I'm holding, I was holding on so tight instead of just being like, this is me and moving on. Mm -hmm. And I think we all do that because we want to do it so badly yeah. that we hold on to try to make it right, to try to do something right. And I think it was before I lost my head, I lost my head, my hair. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I was like, stop trying to make it right. Just make it real. Just make it real. Because real for you, real for me is, it's authentic to who you are. And it's the thing that makes it fly, I think. Oh my goodness. That is incredible. I, um, I find myself relating a lot to holding on to things. I mean, literally I was holding on to for years because I thought I sh should be blonde for this industry. Right. Um, so it would color my hair and I look back at pictures and I had like four strands left at the bottom. You know, they've been like, like damaged to oblivion. And I was holding on because I thought long blonde hair was what I had to have. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't, yeah. it didn't suit me. Well, yeah. and even when I had hair, it was, you know, when I got this, this, when I, every, every longer job I've gotten, like, I haven't been thinner. I haven't, like, I've been in a place sometimes because of life where I'm just like, this is who I am. Either you like me or you don't. Mm -hmm. And anytime I've kind of surrendered, kind of let go, let God. Yeah. Is when that magic, it, I feel like it felt, sounds all woo woo, but it is a little, you're opening yourself up to receive. Mm -hmm. whatever might be out there and you know cancer did a lot for that in that way like you realize well holy shit I got no control over this <laughs> so you know and you know I, I you know I ended up booking doom patrol and I would have gone in for that role but the fact that I was bald was just like just nailed it like I didn't have a manager I had a manager who I had like a newsletter I did the newsletter I did yes. years ago not the branding thing but I did the <laughs> Dallas Travers, ah, in touch with people. Yes. Oh yeah, I did all the things, all the busy work you're supposed to do to try to postcards, postcards and whatever. And <laughs> I remember sending out, and I got an email who I'm now working with. Like we had been friendly. I had done like a some sort of info <laughs> list, how to get a manager thing with him, and kept in touch with him for like a decade. And he reached out to me and was like, "How can I help you?" Like, I want to be your man. Like, and it was because we had built this relationship, but all these things fell into place. And in the moment, I was just trying to make sure I was going to be alive. I mean, there was not a threat of me dying, but I just, it forced me so deeply to be in the moment that it just reverberated in a way that I wasn't trying to go get stuff. I was... I didn't have the energy to try to go do that anymore. I had the energy only to, you know, go through cancers and deal with that. Yes. And then when this stuff came up, it was the reconfirmation mm -hmm. that for me, my soul, soul's fire is lit by being on set. Mm -hmm. You know, the world, I'm also a fitness instructor and I, and I always joke that I'm like, yeah, if I'm on set, playing, you know, doing a one-line co-star, but the gym could burn down and I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want anyone to, you know, hurt, but like, that's, 
that's the equilibrium of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, so with your, um, I've had some folks talk recently about um, like changing of their hair um, and worrying about their materials being sort of in line, um, you know, um, especially folks who are playing a little bit with like gender identity and how they want to sort of outwardly express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they worry sort of, well, if I was like deep in mom roles and now I'm exploring like some non-binary presentation yeah um how do I sort of like still market myself um when they're in process um as someone who had no choice but to have materials be different um uh and and maybe found a look that better embraced uh more of who you are any any pieces of inspiration or thoughts I went through so I lost my hair right chemo it was going to happen anyway Uh I don't know that I would have ever done on my own right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when it started growing back and I was done with treatment, I legitimately went through all that same stuff. What do I do with my hair? I don't even know. I don't. And I, there was a woman, she at the time was building her business. When my hair started growing back and I was having kind of a mini identity crisis Mm -hmm. because I didn't know and I hadn't bought a lot of wigs. I was like, I don't know really what to do. Where am I? Who am I? Because I feel, even still, I shave my head and I'm like, fuck yeah, here I am. Mm-hmm. I feel so powerful in that just because I don't feel like I have to play it being anything else. But I also understand that this industry with that hair only sees me one way. And I know that if I want to work, and I want to do commercial work unless I'm going out for a cancer commercial, which I'm still haven't booked. Um, <laughs> um, you know, that's there are only a certain certain amount of things. And so, I, when I was growing my hair back, I went to her and I said, "Well, what do you think? I don't. I need someone else's. I need somebody yeah. else to tell me what's going on, because my gut was like, just shave your head again. And I was like, but do I? Because uh, all of those old voices from you know a decade longer of the industry was like but then you will be limited and, da, 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 da. and so she said to me she's like you want my honest opinion and I was like yeah she's like I think you should shave it again she's like the industry has told you what it wants it's polarizing they either want it or they don't mm-hmm. you either know the answer or you don't and I was like all right well and so what it did is it gave me the agency or gave me the permission to reach out to my agents who I have a good relationship with, but still sometimes I'm like, well, well, you know, what do I ask you about? I still, I, I got a deep, I was raised Catholic. I mean, deep, they call me, they call me and I think I'm in trouble. Like it's just, do you say raised Catholic? How many things do we have in common? I know, right? Oh my gosh. We should do an ancestry.com. We're probably, we're probably. Holy moly. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. So I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, what do you think I should do with my hair? And they were like, we keep sending out your bald headshot. So do whatever you want with it. Because oh. we're sending it out, telling people you will shave. Mm-hmm. To which at that same part as an actor, I'm like, but if I'm on camera and they don't see it, are they going to freak out? Like, because, I mean, let's be real. You know, there, there are wonderful casting, you know, agents like Erica Bream and like, who are like, can see beyond what they yeah. see. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm also just like, yeah, but with my head bald, I look fully different, dude. Like I look fully different. So what ended up happening is I kind of kept my hair. And then literally a week later, I had a call saying that I was pinned for four, the first four episodes of season two of Doom Patrol. So I was like, oh, well, I'm shaving my head. (laughs) I did that. And then it was one of those things that I went from Doom Patrol I had a month off and then I booked McGruber with a little bit of hair that had not been dyed, which was gray. And here's another thing, I mean, which was kind of gray and, you know, says the age I am, but I remember seeing, I have friends who have breakdowns. I saw that role and they had released it 30 to 50, tough, blah, blah, blah. Cause she was supposed to be a soldier and she was mean. <laughs> and I remember being like, my agents and my manager are very open to, they're very open to me being like, hey guys, I think this. Mm. And they submitted me, didn't hear anything. A month later, they re-released it and they aged it up 40 to 40 to 50. And I was like, guys, you need, I know you submit, you got to submit again. You got to. And it was one of those self-tape book. I was supposed to be watching my niece and nephew. Thankfully, <laughs> I made my brother come out in Vegas because my brother was and I left from Vegas like the next day to go shoot for the first week and then was gone for a summer. And wow, I remember the producer's assistant being like, we were looking, we were looking and they kept sending us these young blah, blah, blah. And we saw you and they were like, fuck yes. So I am very much of the mind. I've you know, thought that before, but I don't think you need to be anything but what makes you feel full. Granted, if you've gone out for other things, mom's book, I think there's a way to find find the difference in that because, you know, my hair is grown back. It needs to be dyed, but I wanted to expand my reach. So I decided to dye my hair blonde to see how it was, but also because I think it's easier when the roots are done to see me bald, to envision me bald. Yes. But when my hair was dark, it was really hard. Right. So I think when it comes to experimenting with basically you being a human Mm. and your looks and your materials, it's a conversation definitely to have with your people, which I think also you people yearning to express themselves in their fullest way, having those conversations can also tell us if they're the right people for us. You know, I mean, yeah. but also I think you you do it because I mean, they're wigging the, I mean, everyone on Doom Patrol is wigged. You know, I everybody, everybody, including Diane, who has like long, they wig. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, like they're wigging, they're wigging people <laughs> with normal hair. So <laughs> I think, it's, you know, I think it's, I, I, but I also think it depends on where you are in your career. Because I feel like they give a little more wiggle room for, you know, recurring co-stars. But it's like, if you're coming in for one day, the question is, is how much is production going to want to put into buying a wig for you? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's, 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 that is where I think the question comes in. Mm -hmm. But I also think if you are exploring your gender identity. I mean, for me, you know what? I'm like 49. I'm like, oh, that thing that I've always felt we now have a word for. It's called, the, it's they. 
it's that's what that thing that I've been feeling for my entire life and now I you know I embrace that but I'm also just kind of like yeah but I'm also 50 so like this is who I am so I don't care what anybody else thinks Mm -hmm. but I also think having that verbiage and finally amplifying and acknowledging it Mm -hmm. for people who want to express that I think they should because also Hollywood and production is moving in a way that we are embracing that you know because we always lead so mm-hmm. I say I say go for it I, love I also like and I'm also of the mind that I'm like you know do it in a I feel like do it in a way where it's an easy transition where it, like whereas I used to have long hair and like what is that transition that's just that's kind of an easy midsection that you can do both those things at once and I think there's ways to find that Mm-hmm. That was a long, it was just me. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that is such priceless information because um I can give it I can give advice about that, but it's coming from a perspective of someone who <clears throat> has never shaved their head um or um really investigated a lot of um the things that other folks are investigating. So that is like priceless. Mm-hmm. Um but so when you auditioned for China on Young Rock, you did yeah. get a wig, right? For your audition. I did, I did for the audition because you know, in I did for the audition because looking at me as I am, like China is such an iconic role and such an iconic look that when I was, you know, I was in New York at the time that China was coming up, I was at gyms with long, dark hair, having, you know, dudes be like, hey, look like China. Not the, not the pickup line you think it was. Um, (laughs) So for me, I, I reached, I saw, again, I saw that role. It was the, it was, you know, it, it was way younger than I was. Um, but I also knew the director. Oh, wow. I knew the director from, a, and he went to NYU and I knew him through a showcase I had done. <laughs> and again, I let it sit and I reached out to my manager and I said, hey, they're trying to shoot this next week. And they are looking for the breakdown was five foot 10, light hair or light mm-hmm. eyes, 200 pounds and muscular. And I'm like, well, I don't have all that much. I used to have a lot more of that vascularity, but I have also, as someone who is strong and tall, when there is a call for that specific physicality, in my experience, there's a lot of people I see on the right, like, cause there's a certain group of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was, I was of the mind that, that they didn't give themselves enough time to find it. Like if they mm-hmm. really wanted someone who fully embraced it, they'd give themselves four days. And so I reached out to my manager and I said, hey, here's these pictures of me before. And so I said, send them. And I was like, look, I'm going to go buy. And I did, I went and bought a cheap wig because I knew that for this instance, it was necessary to be able to envision me as that person. Because, you know, not only is, I'm like, stature-wise, I'm, tall I'm strong but not as strong as I mean no one is at this point like it takes a lot of steroids and you know and certain amount of you know work to get there yes but also in that instance I I said to myself if you're going to be able to see the similarity I gotta have this because this hair ain't cutting it you know Mm -hmm. so we did amazing I love that so it was almost like the gift uh like kind of like what you choose when you want to 
yeah. when you want to, when you want to be bald and you're like, I want to buy, uh, first of all, I want to put the bug in my manager's ear about this and then buy a wig that fits yeah. and, and go book that freaking job. How long between when you booked it and when you were actually filming? So I, prior to sending it to my manager, it, it came out on a Friday. I think it mm-hmm. came out on a Friday. I saw it, but then ignored it. And then on Sunday, I didn't want to bother my managers on the weekend. I reached out to my friend who was shooting and I was like, hey, I think I might be able to solve your problem. And so I got the audition on a Monday morning. It was due by 10 a.m. I had a call back for a commercial, which of course, not of course, which I generally never get. Like I'm, I'm not a commercial, like I don't get a lot of commercial auditions. And it was this one where I was like playing a female football coach short hair. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, um, I cannot get this self-tape done by 10 o'clock. I, or 10, it had to be by noon, but my callback was 11. So they pushed it later in the day. I went to the callback. I bought a wig on the way home. I put it on. I just, and we just did it. It went in Monday. It went in, by, it got in by before time. Luckily it was, it was very much about physicality and stature. It, rather than lots and lots of words, but yeah, I was also just like, fuck it. Words taped up. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so Tuesday I hadn't heard, but my friend graciously was like, Hey, they had extended the deadline to the next day. Oh, but he was like, of the people they've seen, you're in the, like, they really liked your tape because it wasn't going to, and so by the end of Tuesday night, they other tapes came in. I was picked by Wednesday. My contract was signed by Wednesday night. I was on a plane on Thursday. Oh, wow. I was, I was, yeah. So that I could go in for, you know, hair fittings and, and also, you know, she was very tan. God bless, God bless the makeup crew. Oh my God. Wow. Every day me, basically naked being self-tanned to like uh, because there was a lot of there was a lot of lifting that went on in terms of like self-tanning and the wig and that you know all the stuff yeah wow that's amazing the turnaround is incredible um that's really incredible um and how was it um playing because the events that you that some of the events that took place on the show young rock actually things that happened. Um, um, So how did you prep for that to embody a a match that did happen? Um, So I went on um, Peacock because they had all the WWE stuff and I watched it over and over and over again. Basically what I did is I just went and got as much video footage as I could to watch a her because Again, like let's talk about gender a little bit. So China's this giant, I don't want to say giant, but like she's a super built and she got leaner as it went along because of the same thing. Cause like her 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 song to come to, to the ring was not don't treat me like a man, but don't treat me like a woman. Like it was this weird, oh wow. I'm not quite a man, not quite a woman. Mm-hmm. Like playing with gender that long ago at a time when people could wrap their brains around it right Mm -hmm. as much but she also had kind of like a vocal fry she talked like this (laughs) she puts it up in the front I think to soften oh wow you saw I think in order to help 
because there's a long story about her, which I totally related to this idea of she was, she was a woman and she was soft and she was vulnerable, but no one sees beyond that package. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that she did is she pitched up her voice to seem gentler and more feminine. And so basically I just watched as much of her as I could. And then the the match, I just watched over and over again because you don't really see her till the very end with the, you know, and, but I, I was really interested to see because she had been re- relegated mm-hmm. to being Triple H's bodyguard. She was just standing there like this. Her physicality was very much like walk, walk, walk. Like, mm-hmm. so I kind of watched for that to see and inform mm-hmm. where that was coming from. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. I love yeah. that. And what an honor to play someone who's a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things. That's also one of those things that I was like, make it right. Don't make it right. Just make it real. I'm like, just make sure you are not doing a caricature of a beloved person. Mm-hmm. Just trying to find her humanity. Just, mm-hmm. just see if you can find the essence and then find her as a human and then go from there. Oh gosh, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And the fans have been very receptive of your portrayal yeah. of China, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they've been much nicer than they've been to a lot of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, thank God. You know? uh, thank you. <laughs> so with some of these roles, there's a lot of, well, some of these roles, a lot of these roles, there's a lot of action involved, a lot yeah. of physicality. And I know that you're, um, uh, you've also worked as, as a fitness instructor. In fact, I noticed like, um, I don't know, I kind of can't remember like, time uh when you were not working but you'd come back from something and like post your work your teaching schedule yeah at, like equinox I think a lo- in a lot of folks mind when they get to a certain level like fuck that side job fuck yeah. that side hustle I just wouldn't yeah. be done with it has yours helped uh, helped support your acting life or vice versa I think so because you know the you know this the the you know the side effect of having to teach is I'm at the gym all the time and it's strong you know I'm yeah pretty healthy and you know, for me, I know my, I've always been this way. I know my body, how it feels because I've always been a physical person, but I found that specifically that run, we had just come out of the pandemic in some, it was 21 to 22. We had come out of the pandemic and for a lot of people, the pandemic, I think was really fucking scary. Yeah. Um, I had come up working on Doom Patrol, we I, we were about to shoot the season finale of season two, and I got a call that's like, "Nope, stay home." <laughs> and then we went into this, you know, ninety day thing where it was locked down, and then gyms were not open at least here for a year. And so, for me, that time was good because it made me reckon with the fact that I hadn't really given myself the uh, the grace to really let my body heal to let you know my husband and I kind of understand or try to process what we had been through with 16 months of cancer after cancer like because you know you're in a building burning building and you're going 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 Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember we the gym was going to come back I was going to come back 
And we had tried to come back, Equinox had tried to come back in the summer of 2020 for like two weeks and then shut down. And mm-hmm. they thought everybody would come back. And a bunch of instructors were like, uh, fuck no, dude. It's yeah. like, we don't know what's going on. And so in 2021, they went to open up again. And I happened to be in Atlanta shooting and I got all these offers for all these jobs. And I have always been someone who, I guess, work ethic is like, gotta keep working. I have to keep working. And so I got to turn stuff down. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting back. And also because I had been blessed with suddenly having a little bit more money than you get from being on a coaster for one day and then giving away 20, you know, where I got to be like, you know what? I don't want to do 10 classes a week. I don't, because you forget as a person who's working another job, how much energy it takes to do the various jobs to then have to come and try and, you know, put this human being on tape. Like it's, it's a really weird balancing act. So I got to a place where I was like, I don't really want to do this. But then I got done and I was like, oh shit. And I was like, universe, please take me away for the summer. Like literally, <laughs> I literally wished on, I don't want to go back because I think that I will fall back into that place mm. of, I have the time of doing, of filling my time with things that don't necessarily reinvigorate my cre- my creativity. Mm-hmm. And I ended up booking, I ended up booking on uh, MacGruber. It took me away for the entire summer. I was like, yes. Thank you. So, and then right after, like, and I rolled right into um, Picard. Like it was just boom, boom, boom. But what it did is it gave me the space as somebody who was always, who's deeply ingrained in me. I had this thing because my father did not want me to be an actor by any stretch of the imagination. And even until he passed away, was asking me like, can you be a manager at the gym? Because <laughs> he wanted me to have stability. Mm-hmm. And we are in an industry that is, you know, it's expansive and it get expansing contracts. And so for me on the side job, I came back and still did it. But by having those jobs, it allowed me to pick and choose when, mm-hmm. how much, when, Cancer was the first thing that gave me because I taught all the way through treatment, but it was the first time that I felt like I gave myself the agency to say no. Mm. What I've realized is I choose to teach the class and I choose to give my energy to the people I feel will receive it the best. When you're doing stuff like that, or even bartending, you're waiting tables, you're giving so much. Yes. And you're not necessarily getting back and it has to be replenished. So I've become much more publicly aware of where that occurs. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Where are you now sort of um, looking at like what's on, (laughs) this is the question I hate most from family members. But what are you working on next? Don't know why I'm asking you this. No, 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 it's okay. Um, um, But I guess I'll be like the Midwestern aunt no what is what do you want want to work on next for me the bald has allowed itself to I I keep saying it's I'm really good at playing you know lieutenants or yeah second in command or you know because that's what I was in that's what I like for the hammerhead I was kind of the second main personality because Jane was the you know Diane was the main one and like in 
you know, mm-hmm. MacGruber, I was, you know, Billy, Billy Zane's right-hand man. And I'm the lieutenant. So I'm mm-hmm. interested in, I, by growing my little bits of hair back, I'm like, I'm interested. I want to be the captain. I'm like, I'm the yes. captain. I'm interested in being that person, the, being the general, being mm-hmm. the person in charge. I'm also, as I'm looking at roles and, and I've been auditioning for them, exploring a different part of me that is for, you know, the softer, gentle side of the idea that this package is not just one thing. Mm-hmm. The thing I think that's made people responsive to these people who are so angry that I play is that anger is always based in hurt and fear and vulnerability. And it's being able to, to look to that stuff a little, be able to play stuff like that a little bit more. You know, and also, I mean, my husband, like, as I mentioned, is a writer director. There's a couple of scripts that he has that I've been, you know, we want to direct one together that's about us, but there's another one that I really just want to help bring out into the world mm. because I think it's important. So, you know, I want to play these bigger roles, but I also just want to start to make and create opportunities to amplify. I feel like I've always been very good at seeing people and seeing it when other people don't. And I feel like because these little things have given me a platform in a different way, that I wanna use that platform to help bring people up. I think the one thing that this has granted me is and sometimes not I mean it goes back and forth sometimes I just want to get the job I'll do it (laughs) um and I and if if that's the reason I generally don't get it (laughs) (laughs) but it has allowed me to give my grant myself the grace to be the person because auditioning is the job and yeah and enjoying it more Mm. you know Oh, I love that. So when you are um, auditioning or taping, you are the person. Yeah. Versus like, I am trying to get the person, trying to get in the person so I can get on the job. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful shift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and granted, sometimes it doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes you're like, I have a date. I don't need the words, uh, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, But you, you know, you do the best you can with what you have. Mm -hmm. And I also, I, you know, it's this, our industry is, it turns around so fast especially self-tapes now that you can do them at home and, you know, (laughs) and it's, it's trying to have fun with something that could be really belaborous Mm -hmm. and, you know, can make you as an actor overthink how many times, you you know, you do it, you know, the rule of like, prepare it, do it three times, like maybe at most three times and just get it out the door. Yeah. Because in a room, in a room, you don't get 70 million times on set. You don't get 70 million times. Oh no. So um, it's changed in that way. Also, I think the auditions, the, the it's changed my auditions a little bit in often my husband will be my reader. Um, he's become a better actor because I'm like, you need to be a better <laughs> actor, you know? Um, but I think it's, you know, it coming back to when we can, I love, you know, it reminds me of, Stan Curse boot camp. No, I just <laughs> the idea of rehearsing stuff and going yeah. and having that experience. Like one of my favorite things to do is you know work with actor friends of mine, Allison uh, King. I think you know. Like, mm-hmm. 
who I adore, like, I adore her work. I think she is one of the smartest, most insightful people to work with. Like when she's a great set for self tapes too, but mm-hmm. to be able to just work a scene yeah. and yes, send it in, but also to recognize that this may be the only time you get to play this character. So take advantage of it. You know? Yeah. Um, she and I met in acting class and when rehearsing, I was like, oh, I want to be around you as much as possible. <laughs> I want to learn from you. Yeah. She's so like there are so, there's certain people that, you know, I think that's the other thing to be care- to be careful of as well is to not, I, I think I've always through my life have been like, well, if I, I have to do things like them or there has to be like, mm-hmm. they do this thing. And I, if I do it like them, you do it like you. Everybody's careers are so different. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard because there's no right reason why anything happens. You know, yeah. it's, you just got to keep putting it out there. And I feel like if you get to a place where you start to feel like you don't like it anymore, then you need to take a break mm-hmm. or reassess because yes. deciding that something isn't for you because it makes you feel bad about you. Like, bad about you, bad about life. I mean, we only got one that we know of. Totally. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so it's, I mean, I could, I could say that now. I, I say a lot of this now because I mean, I'm almost 50, but also cancers, like cancers, I, I, you know, again, don't recommend, but don't recommend, you know, just fuck it. It's just, it took me a long, a long, long time to just be like, fuck it. What is yeah. the worst thing that can happen? They can't cast you, you know? Right. I mean, Right. Um, and that's why we do a lot of these Q and A's because, um, this is not a two plus two equals four business and, um, no one's path is the same. So I think the more we hear about how different everyone's path is, I think my hope is the more we can accept our own path. Um, and, um, and because I think accepting our own path is a lot of self-acceptance. Um, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and again, as as the hopefully the industry expands or it's it's easier just to do things because you enjoy them like mm-hmm. and I think hopefully I mean I'm of a I guess generation upbringing of it has to be good or it's not worth doing like no sometimes you're allowed to just enjoy doing something it's Ooh. just you're allowed to enjoy doing something and I think for me that's been a very hard thing to wrap my brain around mm-hmm. um and I look to I look to younger generations and say, just, you know, they always have those things like, what are the three words that you would give yourself? I'm like, stop worrying about it so much. Like, Mm. give less fucks, give less fucks. Do the thing that fills you up. Don't do, I've done so many things. It's like, I should be doing this. Should has never gotten me a job. Everything that I should should do has never fucking helped. I watch myself tapes now. And I know that the thing that I keep trying to remember is when I watch it back, I want to feel like whoever I'm talking to is real. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain thing that I'm like, I am looking for to send on, you know? And that's that's how it's changed a little bit for me. Because if I see myself on screen, I want to be like, oh, you fit right into this. And I'm not mm-hmm. being like, oh, there's, oh, you know? Yeah. It's hard sometimes, which is hard. Yes. It can be hard in that like quick turnaround, but 
but yeah. vital. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephanie, I'd like to open it up for some questions from the group. If anyone has any, please turn your camera on and um, um, ask it yourself. So nice to see you guys and Steph, so nice to meet you. Um, and I couldn't help but notice the oh, the places you'll go book behind you. And it just made me wonder, like, what gives you inspiration every day when you are grinding out those self tapes and just, you know, staying, staying in it? Because I'm, you know, in another place phys um, physically just for like work life balance, but I'm still in it. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just so inspired by your story. It's just remarkable and amazing. And I just so appreciate you just being so open and, and sharing with us um, your, your journey. Thanks. Yeah. All the places that go. That was, that was one of our readings for our wedding. We had a very an, um, unconventional uh, wedding and that we had to have a somewhat religious -y wedding because you know, the Catholic part. Um, <laughs> I think what I've realized is when I'm busy, when I'm not um, specifically when I have spans of time, I'm always like, where do I refill? And I think it's the slowing down. I've gotten better at meditating, which I've been, I grew up kind of, not opposed to, but my mom used to be able to just like meditate forever. And I have a brain that races and I'm also, I'm always used to doing things. So my inspiration comes when I least expect it, but I try to, you know, read books. I try to, you know, watch TV. Like I, I try to do things that, it sounds so trite, I guess, that I enjoy because I've realized that the more relaxed I am, the more I give myself, again, grant myself the grace to relax and I'm not trying to do anything is when inspiration floods, you know, is when I, I often notice when I go back to the Midwest, when I go to visit family and friends, when, when I go to refill my human cup, that is when I get inspiration. But I feel, I also feel like in the midst of it, it, it comes and goes. I think there's, you know, there's times where I'm just not. And, and in those times, I have to remember that this too shall pass because we can't be one thing all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't, which is a hard thing because especially you as a mom, they've been telling you forever that you should be all the things. You should be lifting the world up on your shoulders and holding it all the time. No, you get to let it down sometimes, you know. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, and Stephanie, this is Julia Bellanova. She um, is recurring on Mayans. Um, oh, my God, yay! Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're such an inspiration and just the, uh, like, the work you've gotten to do and, and just, like, the range of things you've gotten to show is so cool and inspiring. And I'm also short-haired, so I'm I know the empowerment there. Um, I just wanted to ask you because what you brought up about your rep saying, um, like you get, you, like, I don't know if that's still true based on what we were saying about getting fewer auditions, but having them be super tailored or like, mm -hmm. do you feel like you're challenging them to give roles that maybe they wouldn't expect someone like you to fit into, or are you really like trying to target into like what what they would expect or because I guess I'm just like I'm struggling with like do I want them to see me in things that they might not expect or do I really want to be super targeted and focused about like branding and just any I, advice with that yeah that totally makes sense um I think when I it's it's funny to me because 
I will send a met, like I will find it, I will see a role and I'll be like, oh yeah, I could play this. And I'll send it usually to my manager. And sometimes he'll just be like, he'll send it to me before I send it to him because we have that relationship. Because I think we all see me and what I can play. We are all on the same page, I think. And so because of that, I think that that is an easier conversation for me to have sometimes. And I think it's, I think it's super worthwhile to have that conversation with your agents and your, and or your manager. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I feel like that particular conversation, like the conversation of me being like, please submit me for this has always been more of a manager thing than it has been my agents. Um, basically because my manager is supposed to be, you know, helping to craft and direct my career. Um, and so because of that, if that is indeed their job, which by definition it's supposed to be, unless it's majorly changed, they should also be able to start to see me in a larger way because they're trying to, you know, bring me onto those things. Um, I, I mean, I feel like agents in particular, like agents, I feel like everyone's always going to go for the low hanging fruit. Like, you know, it's just, I mean, low hanging fruit's going to be, I mean, it is Which the isn't a bad thing to have a niche. No, not at all. Like, not at all. Here's yeah. the thing, not at all. And the, and the thing about that is, is I actually dropped my last manager because at one point I was talking to my, my agent and I have a very good relationship, but he was basically said, I don't know what he's doing for you that we're not. I don't, and there were, and in particular, when stuff like Supergirl came out, like, especially cause you know, as mentioned, you know, otherworldly creatures or whatever, there seemed to be in the superhero world weeks, again, that, that's why I think I, I'm so grateful to sci-fi and to action because but specifically like sci-fi and comic books, because they expand that definition and most of, you know, the people writing sci-fi and genre stuff are my big, are, are my people. They're big nerds who see the world through a different purview. And in that, right, with that manager, he was like, I, oh, you can play security guard. And so he submitted me, I booked a security guard and then I could never be on that show again. And, you know, and part of me is like, I mean, I ended up same with casting offices, you know, Doom Patrol, but in certain respects, it was kind of weird. My agent, you know, and also they had that idea of like, well, you've gotten this and they want to try and build in a certain way. So I had gotten my first, you know, I got my first top of show guest star. And suddenly, because we were, my agents were kind of waiting to see how, and my manager was like, my manager, frankly, needed money. Um, and so was submitting me on stuff that I was like, I, I'm fine to go play. I am fine to go play, you know, I think I booked Jane the Virgin, which was a very lucrative job, which was crazy. But like I played coffin delivery person number two or something. And I went, but I went in because I'd never been in that office. So like stuff like, it's like that thing of like, when do I say no is, is always to me, which, which, eight, what is the show? What is likely that I will have a bigger role than this based on what I've seen, you know? And 
and where do I fit in? And so to that point, you know, I think absolutely you had the conversation of how you want to be maybe exploring other roles. And also I feel like sometimes depending upon what your relationship is with them is where are you seeing people like you do it? Where are you seeing similarities? Because not that I've kept my stuff really narrow, but I've also just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to at some point, I don't know that I will ever play a romantic lead unless I am playing, you know, I'm having a relationship with another woman or I am on Star Trek or not because I can't and because I'm not a person that way, but you know, I had, I had Marnie Sayada at one point tell me that I was not sexual at all. Like, you know, I've had castingers be like, you're not in that. So it's, I think, I think when it's germane and when you're like, hey, look at this is happening and you're seeing in the casting of the show diversity, I think that's the time to push. I think you always want to push, this is getting long and I'm so sorry, but I think you always want to push when it makes sense and when they can be like, oh, when it, if it's going to be like, you have to put on a wig, like if there's a lot of work to have to prove that you could do it. No. And also because we're in self-tape land, there's nothing wrong with being like, hey, I think I would bring something really interesting to this. Would you submit and see if they'll let me tape? You know, I think there's a lot more leeway now in that way. Um, but I also think it's it's where we as actors forget sometimes, even in downtimes, is watching TV, trying to figure out through IMDb Pro who is creating the shows, what they've done before, to see the kind of people they are. So that in addition to having this role, knowing why they created that role or maybe what perspective they're coming from, I think gives you insight that you don't know that you could get. It's like being a detective. Stephanie Chikowsky, thank you so much for being here. I always enjoy hearing what uh, people have to say, but um, when they are a person that I respect and they have good values, they treat people well, um, that's when I really feel like I can trust um, what they're saying and sort of find someone who I aspire to be like. So thank you so much on behalf of the entire community here.